Today on Awaken to Grace, I am so excited to share with you one of the most favorite sermons I've ever preached, and it's called Grace That Is Greater. Today we're going to talk about how the people who have hurt you, the people who've walked out of your life, the people who tried to do you harm, as Joseph's brothers did to him. You know, God can give us the same ability that God gave Joseph, and that's to extend grace and to offer forgiveness. I know there are many listening who you think in your mind you could never forgive or at least never forget what someone has done to you. Well, my friends, join me in studying this portion of Joseph's life, and let's learn how God's grace is greater than any sin ever committed against us. I know you're going to enjoy today's edition of Awaken to Grace. Now, those of you who know me or you follow our ministry, you know that I'm blind. Some of you may be guests and you don't know that I'm blind. Um, That's why people help me to the podium on and off. We don't want to have a healing service unnecessarily, right? And so people help me and uh, I don't want to bump into anyone with coffee in their hands. But this series has been a great challenge to me because not only am I memorizing all of the content, I'm covering large chapters of Genesis. Well, throughout this series, the first four weeks, we've only been in a chapter a week. Today, help me, Lord. Today, we're covering chapters 42, 43, 44, and 45, verse by verse. No amen? We've ordered bagged lunches for everyone. You'll be fine. We'll get done about 4.30 today. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it's a lot of scripture. And you know, we said it in the beginning of the series, but it's fitting to say it now. You think of the book of Genesis. Now think about this. Of all the blockbuster characters of Genesis, I mean, Adam and Eve and Noah for crying out loud. Um, Abraham and Lot and Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Rachel and Laban, Laban, all of these blockbuster characters, more content is written about Joseph than any of them. That tells me his life is mightily important, and we would do well to pay attention to it. Amen? Well, today, if you will pray for me, we're going to go from Genesis 42 all the way to 45. And then next week, we're going to go from 46 to 50. And I'm not used to that, okay? So it's gonna, we're going we're gonna to travel through. I'm going to have some principles that I would encourage you to write down, as I've said throughout this series. This may not be something you need today, but it may be something you need down the road. It may be something you need by next year. So take these principles to heart. So number one, we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 42. When we pick up between Genesis 41 and 42, this is important for you to know, a decade has passed. Joseph, when he became prime minister, predicted that there was going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of great famine, a famine unlike the world has ever known. And so when we pick up in Genesis 42, nine years of those predictions have already come to pass. There's been seven years of plenty. Joseph stockpiled food. He made, he made storage areas in, beside every city. He talking about being the ultimate prepper. Joseph was the ultimate prepper. 
And he wisely put back food and he did according to what God told him to do. And the Bible says that they put back food to such the degree that it could no longer be measured, could not even be counted. What wisdom. Well, when we pick up in our story, the seven years of plenty have passed and now we are two years into the famine. And the Bible begins in chapter 42 with Jacob looking at his 11 sons, primarily the 10, because Benjamin was favored, as was Joseph. And we're going to see favoritism rear its ugly head again in Jacob's life. And Jacob looks at his 10 sons, and, this, and I love how blunt the Bible is. The Bible says he, he looked at them and said, why are you looking at each other? <laughs> in other words, today we would say, why are you twiddling your thumbs? Why are you being a couch potato? Why are you lazy? Why are you, there's food down in Egypt. Go, go to Egypt because there's food there. Go. So they pack up and they go to Egypt. Now this, I find this highly fascinating because the Bible says that people were coming from Canaan. Matter of fact, they were coming from the whole world to buy grain from Egypt from Joseph because he stored it. Now, I wonder, did Joseph expect his brothers In one sense, and the Bible didn't tell us with clarity, so in one sense, I wonder, well, certainly it probably was in the back of his mind that Joseph thought, well, my brothers could show up. But let me just be honest with you. I don't don't think he was really looking for them. And let me tell you why. If you remember last week, we saw in chapter 41, when the Lord blessed Joseph with children, do you remember the two names of his sons? Manasseh and Ephraim. If you remember, Manasseh meant God has caused me to forget the trouble of my youth from my father's house. Last week, we talked in detail about how God gave Joseph not only the ability to forgive, but the ability to forget. In our culture, we're so bad to say, I'll forgive, but I'll never what? Oh, don't say that. Don't say Oh, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Oh, terrible thing to say. No, Joseph not only forgave, he truly forgot. And God will give you the ability to do that. And then his second son, Ephraim, he named him Ephraim because that means God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Joseph wasn't looking back in the rearview mirror. He was looking ahead. And just like Paul said, I look ahead to the things that are ahead of me, this one thing I do. Don't look back, look ahead. Based upon that, I don't think that Joseph sat there every day going, hmm, my brothers may come today, and that's going to be the day of revenge. I don't think he did that. I think he really forgot it. And I think he looked ahead. But how many of you know We're just going to have a frank conversation today. Is that all right with you? How many of you know our past has a way of coming back? Have you ever been in a place in life where you really felt like you buried the past? Have you ever been in a place in life where maybe even spiritually you felt like God helped you and you were getting past something and whoever it was that hurt you in the past, you really had left it back there and you were going forward and you felt like God helped it. Then all of a sudden, bam, there your past is right back. You ever had that happen? It's exactly what happened to Joseph. 
And if you listen today to the word of God, you will learn, you will gain the skill, you will have the ability to really deal with your past and to really get past your past. There isn't but one way to do it. And I realize that in our audience today, not only who's in the building, but who's watching online and those listening online, I realize that there are deep, deep wounds from the past. I realize this. I realize that there are people who walked out of your life. I realize that there are people who literally threw a hand grenade in your life and just let it blow up. I realize that there are people who conspired against you like Joseph's brothers conspired against him. I realize that there are people who sought to do you damage. They violated They violated your trust. They violated you physically. I realize that there are people who, quite frankly, in human terms, they don't deserve forgiveness. I realize that. But see, today, you're a new creation. Today, things are different because the Spirit of God abides in you. And today, I'm going to take the Word of God and I'm going to show you how you can skillfully Get past your past. How you can skillfully forgive those who truly did you wrong. There isn't but one way to do it. And that's with grace. And that's why today I want to call it grace that is greater. Grace that is greater than any sin that someone has committed or done against me. Grace that is greater than the past. Grace that's greater than mistakes. Grace that is greater than intentional hurt. Grace that is greater. You remember in chapter 39, the Bible tells us that Joseph's brothers conspired against him. They didn't deserve forgiveness. But Joseph gave them grace. What is grace? How would you define grace? Well, In all of my years of studying the Bible, this is the greatest definition of grace that I know. If you think about it, mercy, God's mercy does not give me what I do deserve. Because what I deserve is punishment. What I deserve is wrath. What I deserve is hell. Amen? That's, but what happened when God's mercy steps in, God in his mercy does not give me what Chad Roberts deserves. So what's grace? Grace is when God does give me what I don't deserve. And what I don't deserve is God's love. What I don't deserve is God's peace. What I don't deserve is God's patience. What I don't deserve is God's affection. What I don't deserve is God's attention. What I don't deserve is God's salvation. That's what I don't deserve. And grace is when God gives me what I don't deserve. I think of Romans 2.14. His kindness leads us to repentance, hallelujah. His kindness leads us to repentance. So God in his mercy does not give you what you do deserve. God in his grace gives you what you don't deserve, amen? Now today we're gonna learn how to do that. So in Genesis 42, his brothers go down to Egypt. 
This is just riveting. You, you need to spend some time this week and just read it slowly and put yourself in the scene. The Bible writes it in such a way that we can put ourselves in the room. Does that make sense to you? And it gives us the conversation. So Joseph's 10 brothers come down to Egypt. The Bible's very clear. Joseph immediately recognizes them. They were men when he was sold into slavery. They hadn't changed all that much. But Joseph was only 17 the last time they saw him. Now Joseph is in his 40s. Over 20 years has passed. Two decades have passed. How much different do you think Joseph looked? Not only did his physical appearance look different, but I, I would think he looked quite Egyptian. Being the prime minister, I picture him with all the Egyptian dress on. I picture him with a large headdress similar to what Pharaoh would have had. I picture him in Egyptian cotton threads, <laughs> nice robes. He spoke the Egyptian language. The Bible tells us that Joseph understood everything his brother said, but he spoke to them through an interpreter. And so here they are. They're standing before their brother. They have no idea it's Joseph. And Joseph recognizes him, and watch what Joseph does. He speaks harshly to them through an interpreter. He accuses him of being a spy. He said, you've come down to see the nakedness of the land, or in other words, the defenseless, how defensive, uh, defenseless the land is. You've come and you're spies, and you've come to steal food. And they freak out. Oh, no, my Lord, we are, we are good men. We're all brothers of one man. And listen to what they literally told Joseph. They told Joseph, we are honest men. You know what I would have done? I would have thrown him in prison. And Joseph did for three days. But it was, <laughs> he imprisoned him for three days. Joseph said, no, read the scripture. Joseph says, no, it is as I told you, you're spies. And Joseph, listen to what he's going to do in his wisdom. He's going to test their character. Now say amen if you're ready to learn some principles right now because this, this, you're going to learn something here. Listen, Joseph wanted to know if his brothers had truly changed. When he threw them in prison, this is the first test of their character. He was listening. He's listening. He could understand them. And you know what they said? They used a very important pronoun. They used the word we. We did this sin to Joseph. God is punishing us for the sins that we committed. Now, Reuben accused them because if you remember, Reuben, the firstborn, said, don't harm the boy. Reuben had a right to be angry because they sold him into slavery without Reuben's consent. But at the end of the day, they didn't point fingers. They didn't blame one another. They took responsibility and they said, we committed this great sin. Joseph had to turn away because he was so emotional. So Joseph decided to test their character. They told Joseph about their family, and he actually inquired. And they said, we have a brother, Benjamin. We had a brother who is no more. Can you imagine how Joseph felt when they said no more? I'd have smacked them all right through the jaws. And they say, we have a father who's aged. So Joseph has a plan. He goes, 
I'm going to imprison all of you and send one of you back home. You bring your brother back and I'll know you're honest men. They said, we can't do that. Our father will die. He said, okay, then I'm going to imprison one of you. The rest of you go back. When you come back, I'll know that you're honest men. Now watch this. Watch watch this. Mm. The men go home to Jacob, their father. And Jacob falls apart. Now listen to me, church. We're talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and who? Jacob. We're talking about the patriarch of the family. We're talking about Jacob, who God, he knew God. He wrestled with God. He had the vision of angels ascending and descending. I mean, God even changed his name personally from Jacob to Israel, meaning my beloved. He knew God. But where was Jacob's faith? Nowhere to be seen. Jacob turned incredibly fatalistic. He said, what have you done to me? You've bereaved me of more children. Joseph is dead. Now Simeon is dead. Whoa, pump the brakes, Jacob. He's not dead, he's just imprisoned. And he immediately turned fatalistic. Oh, it's over, he's dead, there's no, there's no hope. And Jacob would not allow Benjamin to go to Egypt. Well, Reuben tries to get him to go. He won't won't allow it. Well, now in the next chapter, chapter 43, listen to what happens. They run out of food. After some time, they run. I mean, they just left Simeon there. (laughs) Jacob's like, oh, well. According to the way they felt, there was no going back and getting him. Now they're out of food and Jacob tells his sons, go back to Egypt and get food. They say, no, we can't. You don't understand. The man told us not to come back without Benjamin. If you don't allow Benjamin to go, you're going to die. We're going to die. Our little ones are going to die. And Judah spoke up and Judah said, Give him to me. If I don't bring him back, I'll bear the shame the rest of my life. And listen to what Jacob did. Jacob said, fine. He says, if I'm bereaved, then I'm bereaved. This is the ultimate temper tantrum thrown before God. (laughs) Now, think of this. This would have been the prime opportunity for Jacob, the patriarch, to lead his family spiritually. To say, boys, I don't know what's going on, but God is going to help us. Let's look for God's hand in this. God is going to show us grace. He's going to show us kindness. Let's trust the Lord. But no, there was no faith in Jacob's heart. There's fatalism. Whatever will be, will be. If I'm bereaved, then I'm bereaved. Whatever. Is that a man of faith? Now, next week, I am going to show you the faith in Jacob's life. And I'm going to show you some tremendous things about Jacob. I've had nothing to say good about him this whole series, and I realize that. But next week, we're going to say, I'm afraid if I, if I, go to, if I die and go to heaven this week, he's going to kick me in the shins and say, you didn't say anything good about me. There is good in Jacob. But I want you to see that he missed a golden opportunity to lead his family spiritually. What about your faith, mom and dad? What about your faith, grandparents? 
When you face challenges in life, what do your children see? What do your grandchildren see? Do they see you as a person of faith? Do they see you saying, we don't know the end of the story. We don't know if this is going to work out. But here's what we do know. We are going to trust the Lord. Do they see that in you? Because I promise you, you're going to have golden opportunities to trust the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. So the boys make their way down to Egypt. Judah said, if we had left when we were supposed to have left, we could have been back twice by now. And there they go with their brother, Benjamin. <laughs> Praise God. Now watch this. In chapter 43, they make their way down. This time, Joseph's watching for them. This time he's expecting them. And the Bible says that when he saw Benjamin, he told his servants, slaughter an animal because we're going to eat. Now, you think how serious that was in a two-year famine with five more years left to go. And Joseph said, get us some steak. We're eating good today. Well, the brothers are frightened. Are, Are you still with me? I'm covering so much scripture, but listen, this, I'm telling you, if you take this today, it's going to change your life. Joseph is watching for them. <laughs> and when he sees them, he tells his servants, slaughter the animal. We're going to eat well. Well, these men are scared out of their head. They don't know what's going to happen to them. They've already imprisoned Simeon. They don't know if they're going to become slaves. They have no idea. And here's the part I didn't tell you. When Joseph sent them home, guess what he also sent? Not only did he send grain, but inside every man's satchel of grain was his money. And they fell apart. They said, oh, God is punishing us. What is God doing to us? They're going to imprison us. And Jacob said, take double the money. Now when they show up, they go to Joseph's head servant and they take all of the money and they go, my Lord, I don't know what happened, but when we got home, our money was here. (laughs) And you know what Joseph's head servant said to them? Now think about this. Next week, when we get into next week, I'm going to show you with the Bible, I'm going to show you how Joseph's testimony impacted all of Pharaoh's house and all of Egypt. But but watch this. You can't tell me Joseph didn't live and share his faith as a Hebrew because when they walked up to the head servant and showed him the money, do you know what the head servant said to them? He said, peace. He didn't just say the English word, peace. (laughs) He said the Hebrew word. Shalom. Now, where did an Egyptian learn that? He learned it from Joseph because Joseph lived his faith. And he said, listen, oh, what a principle. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) He said, God is being kind to you. I took your money and I put your money back. Let me, listen, here's the principle. Joseph's getting ready to set his brothers at a table of grace. And the Bible says they're going to eat. And the Bible says that Benjamin gets a portion five times greater than the other. And and listen to what they do. Their heads are spinning. They sit them in order from the oldest to the youngest. And the Bible says the brothers looked at each other like, how did they even know? They're flipping out. 
And here they thought they're walking into judgment. Here they thought they're walking into disaster. And here is my point, church. Here's what I want you to get today. Whereas he sent them home with grain and money, whereas he slaughtered the animal, whereas he was looking for them and waiting for them before the brothers ever experienced forgiveness, they were already experiencing Joseph's grace. And some of you can look back over your life and you can have the exact same testimony that before you ever ask God to forgive you, there was grace all throughout your life. That's why you survived that car accident. That's why you survived the motorcycle wreck. That's why that disease didn't take your life and snuff your life out. Because all throughout your life, God has had rich grace all every step of your life. And some of you listening today, you wonder, will God truly forgive me? Let me tell you. Let me give you evidence why God will forgive you. Because there's already been grace all throughout your life. These boys didn't even know forgiveness was on the way, but they were eating and they were tasting grace, amen? So here they are, they're at the table of grace. They don't know what's going on. (laughs) Some of you in this room today, you have no idea what's going on in your life. All you know is something's pulling you toward God and you have no idea what it is. It's the Holy Spirit, amen? And your old lifestyle's not cutting it anymore. And the things you found pleasure in no longer have pleasure in. It's because God himself is drawing you to the table of grace. And these boys have no idea what's going on. Well, Joseph's not done. There's more principles to be learned. So the next chapter, 44. How am I doing so far? Have I missed anything? Eh, if I did read it, it's good for you. Just read it all. The next chapter, 44. They load up their donkeys with grain, and Joseph has one more test of their character. Now listen, there's going to be a principle here that's going to change your life for many of you. He takes, Joseph takes his silver cup, his drinking cup. He tells his servant, put it in the bag of Benjamin. And conceal it. They get up the next morning. They ride out of town on their donkeys. Joseph releases his men. Hunt them down. And say, why have you stolen? Why have you repaid evil for the good that I have shown you? They hunt them down just outside the city. Reuben can't believe it. Reuben says, we brought double the money. You sent us home with the money. We brought the money back. How can you accuse us of stealing gold and silver when we brought the money back to even begin with? He said, no, you've stolen. We're going to search your bags. They searched from the oldest to the youngest. And when they came to Benjamin, there was the silver cup. The men fell apart. They ripped their clothes. They were in agony and anguish. They go back to Joseph's house and they stand before Joseph. And the Bible says that they were such distress, they fell prostrate before Joseph. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that Joseph remembered the dreams he dreamed about his brothers bowing down. Joseph says, I'm not angry with you. Go home. 
but Benjamin stays as my servant. He's going to be my slave. The rest of you, go home. Go to your father. But Benjamin stays. The boy said, if you can't do that, you don't understand. We go home without Benjamin. Listen, it's, it's in your text. You can read it. They said, our father's life is wrapped in the life of Benjamin. And if we go home without Benjamin, he, he'll die. He'll die. They kill him the moment he sees that Benjamin's not with us. We can't do it. And watch this. Watch this. It's Judah who speaks up, and Judah asked Joseph, and you can read it. It's fascinating. He says, may I have your ear? May I speak with you privately? And Judah is pleading the calls, and he's pleading his case. And listen, Joseph saw then there was true repentance in his brothers. Judah said, send the boy home and keep me as your slave. I'll never see my wife again. I'll never see my children again. I'll never see my brothers again, my father again. Keep me as your slave. He saw true change and true repentance. Let me ask you a question today. Could it be that the person who did you so wrong years ago Could it be that the person who walked out of your life, or the person that caused such damage and carnage in your life, could it be that all of these years later, they've changed? And here you're harboring resentment. You have roots of bitterness so deep in your soul, and yet they've changed. God has a way of changing people. And it may be that the person who hurt you, God has changed. Chapter 45. At this point, I love the way 45 opens. It says that Joseph could no longer control himself. He sends all the Egyptians out of the room, and it's just him and his brothers And I just picture in my mind's eye, I picture Joseph taking off that massive headdress. I picture Joseph maybe taking off the gold chains and all the Egyptian garb. And Joseph says, I am Joseph, your brother. Can you imagine how they responded? You don't have to. The Bible tells us. The Bible says they were dismayed. (laughs) And you know what that word dismayed means? It's actually the exact same word in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve hid from God and God came in the cool of the day looking for them. And when they had to stand before God naked and ashamed, the Bible says they were dismayed. It's the exact same Hebrew word. And it literally means to tremble. It means to shake. And you know what Joseph tells them? Oh, it's just so beautiful. You know what Joseph tells them? You can just picture the, the, the 11 brothers in front of Joseph, and he, they're, they're shaking. They're trembling in fear. And you know what Joseph says to them? Come near. Come to me. And let me tell you, my friends, I don't care what your past is, Jesus Christ is not going to keep you at an arm's length. He says, today, come to me, come to me, and I will give you rest for your soul. And the Bible says that he kissed 
all of his brothers. Can you imagine kissing the cheeks of those who betrayed you? Kissing the cheeks of those who stole over 20 years of your life? Kissing the cheeks of those who conspired against you? No, my friend, see, that's what grace does. Grace allows such things to happen. How did Joseph do this? How did he have such grace? How did he extend such grace? You know know how? Because of those years in prison, God made gold out of that man. And let me tell you, I know by the authority of the Holy Spirit today, there are some of you listening that God has spent his time making gold out of you, and now's the time to forgive. Now's the time to let grace be grace. Now's the time to extend the grace of God to whoever it was that hurt you. You know, in our culture, we say things like, well, whatever it is, it is. No, you need to quit saying that. You need to say, no, let grace be grace. And if God has given you what you don't deserve, should you not give to others what they don't deserve? See, the Bible teaches in 1 Peter that we are stewards of the manifold grace of God. We're stewards of it. We're managers of it. We are to offer. We are to give. We are to extend. We are to hand out the grace of God that's been given to us. And in the Bible, this is where I'm going to close. And Matt, you can come on, brother, if you like. In the Bible, when when the Bible says that we ought to be abounding in grace and thanksgiving, when the Bible says that God's grace abounds toward us, and in return, we are to abound in grace, You know what the word picture in the Greek is for that? It's beautiful. The word picture is of a river overflowing its banks. (laughs) See, there ought to be such grace overflowing out of your life, grace overflowing out of your heart, grace overflowing out of your relationships, grace overflowing that everyone who gets around you just gets splashed with a little bit of grace. Amen? That's what your life ought to be. Joseph kissed every one of his brothers. The Bible says Joseph fell on the neck of Benjamin and Benjamin on the neck of Joseph. And oh, how they wept. And the Bible says after they had wept, he and all his brothers sat down and talked. Can you imagine what they talked about? Listen to what Joseph told them. The Bible says that he told his brothers Do not be angry with yourselves, nor blame yourself, because God sent me here. You know what Joseph did? And we'll talk more about this next week. Joseph had the ability to look past the sins of man and look directly to the sovereign hand of God. Can you do the same? Can you do the same to the person in your childhood who hurt you? Can you do the same to that spouse that walked out on you? Can you do the same to the parent who just walked right out of your life? Can you give them 
the same grace that God in his kindness has given you. Did his brothers deserve it? See, that's the point. They didn't. That's why you should let grace just be grace. And you say, Chad, you don't know who hurt me. They don't deserve it. I'm not arguing with you, friend. But do you deserve God's kindness? Do you deserve God's grace? The point of grace is not if you deserve it. The whole point is no one deserves it. And that's why it's so special when you extend it. Amen? Why don't today, God's making gold out of you. But this one area of your life, you need to let grace be grace today. Let's bow our heads. If you need to come to the altar and pray today, people will come and pray with you. If there are things out of your past that you just need to lay down, just lay it here. And listen, don't take it home. Lay it here. Put it here and say, God, I give this to you. God's making gold out of you, my friend. Let patience have her good work in you. Come and pray right now. Come and pray. Come and pray. And just lay it down and give it to the Lord. Father, I thank you for your beautiful word. I thank you for the great working in Joseph's life. Oh, God. I thank you that he never took out revenge on Potiphar or Potiphar's wife. He never took out revenge on the cupbearer. He never took out revenge on any of his brothers. But what he did is he led them to the table of grace. Thank you, God. Only grace can do something like that. So God, I pray for those who struggle with forgiveness. Lord, help them to accept your forgiveness. I just sense the Lord ministering on that. Some of you, you always pray for forgiveness. You've asked God to forgive you a hundred times for the same sin. That happened years ago. And you constantly ask God to forgive. Friend, God's already forgiven you. Accept it by faith. Accept it by faith. Some of you, God's called to work in the church. God's called to work in ministry. But there's something from your past that when you get ready to do that, Satan brings it up and says, you can't do that. Because remember who you were? Oh, he's an accuser of the brethren. He's a liar. Let grace be grace in your life. Some of you, God's making gold out of you. This is part of it. Part of it. So Lord, I thank you today. I thank you today, Lord. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Work in our lives. Work in our homes. Work in our hearts. Work in our children, oh God. Don't let us make the mistakes of Jacob. Don't let us yield to favoritism or tolerate jealousy or tolerate anger. Don't let us be fatalistic and say, whatever will be, will be. No, let us be men and women of faith. Let us lead our families in faith in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 
Let us accept the king's prison. Let us go through the process of the making of a godly man or woman or student. And God, let us ultimately let grace be grace because grace is enough. It's enough to cover any sin, any maliciousness, any hatred, any act of conspiracy, any act of violation, any wrong that's been done in our past. Your grace is enough. It is enough. It is enough. So we extend your grace. We are stewards of your grace. We hand out the grace of God even to those who least deserve it among whom we are the chief. So thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. 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 And Lord, when we come back next week, we're going to say some pretty phenomenal things about Jacob. We're going to see the old patriarch in his old age become full of faith. And we're going to see how the entire house of Pharaoh was impacted by the forgiveness of Joseph. And so is the impact that all these thousands of years later, we're talking about it in East Tennessee. And his story is changing our story. Thank you for the word of God. It's so precious. Thank you, Lord, for sharing it with us. Lord, I speak a blessing over all of our people, all of our families, Lord. Bless us. Bless us, oh God. Bless us. Bless us with rich family relationships. Bless us with rich friendships. Bless us with rich fellowship. Bless us with rich prayer lives. Bless us with greater faith, Lord. Bless us with honoring and glorifying Jesus Christ even in our sufferings. Bless us. Bless us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.